A few years back, my wife and I sat down for one of our impromptu money talks. You know, the kind where she tells me that I need to stay at work so we can pay off all our mortgage and I beg to be allowed to stop so I can have fun playing music and goofing off. Face it, Amit. Your music is not going to help us lead the lifestyle that we want. Now, I'm all for facing the music. But I ventured that we might actually be well on our way to achieving the life of our dreams without needing to grind away till 60. She gave me the look of debt. You know, the kind you give someone when they make it seem like that massive mortgage means nothing. The look of debt. Are you crazy, she says. We just have X saved away and most of it is in this apartment. Well, she didn't say X. She gave me a number, but I don't want to tell you. Um, no, it's in the bank, I ventured. No, you doofus, I mean it's all stuck as down payment on this place. And anyway, we only have X, we need Y. Y, a number beyond my wildest dreams. Needing working years that were well and truly in my worst nightmares. I tried and failed to do the math. Stack overflow. Too many zeros. Why? Why? And then she gave me an explanation. A pretty good one actually. But her ideas were quite different from where I thought we needed to be before we could stop working for money. And that's when I realized we all have such different ideas of how much we need. How much we think is right for our future lifestyle. So the real question is, how much is enough? Today is all about financial goals and how to set them up the right way. Hi everyone, my name is Amit Ray. I've bored my family by discussing money matters for years and they don't want to listen to me anymore. So I started podcasting. If you, like me, want to stop chasing a paycheck and get on with fun stuff, stay tuned for practical tips on how to save, grow and make more money. And let's try and have some fun on the way as well. If for some reason you like this episode, do subscribe for more. I have unlimited topics and very limited family members, so you'd be doing me and them for sure a big favor. And before we begin, a quick reminder that there's no need for you to pause, rewind or stop the show just to take notes. It's all there on crazytalk.online, C-R-A-Z-Y. T-O-K dot online. So just listen, learn, have some fun and let's see where this goes, right? Today we'll talk about two approaches to your financial journey. Wealth maximization versus goal setting and, and the option I prefer. We'll then discuss your financial journey and how to set goals or milestones. What's a must? What's nice to have? And most important, What's the right number at which you could consider yourself financially free? And if you have kids, or you plan to, a part of this process must include planning for their success as well. So if you stay till the end, I have some thoughts on how to work on that as well. So let's look at ways in which you can approach your wealth planning. As far as I know, there are two ways in which you can do this. One approach is to maximize your future wealth as much as possible with your risk-taking desire and ability. 
another way is to establish goals and plan your finances in such a way so you achieve these goals over a desired time frame the first one is the way most bank financial planners and advisors prefer so this is the wealth maximization method they would typically conduct a risk profile they'd ask you a series of uh, hypothetical questions and try to judge how much financial loss or pain you're willing to take in search of financial reward if you're a low risk taker you'd be recommended uh, financial tools that have sort of lower volatility in other words things that don't fluctuate very much from day to day good examples would be fixed deposits in banks or treasury bonds with maybe the us treasury and so on if you're a higher risk profile they might recommend that you invest in mutual funds or stocks um and and things like that in my opinion to be honest this approach has a lot of flaws first of all wealth maximization i think is an open ended problem what if you keep trying to maximize but you find yourself short of funds at the time of retirement you don't really get any second chances or a do over and uh, it could actually be quite a disaster second is your risk profile isn't exactly an accurate representation of how you would actually react uh, if you actually were taking a loss it's all very fine to say on a form that you're okay to lose money on a hypothetical basis but will you really remain so cool and calm when your stocks are 30% down 50% down which is actually exactly what has happened recently in the stock market and similarly would you have the discipline to cash out on your wins when you're 20% up maybe and not just get greedy and keep on holding on for more and more and more third of all i think your risk tolerance itself changes over time as you move up in your career and you start earning more money you may actually be okay putting some riskier bets so your risk profile actually starts heading towards uh the the place where you can uh, start taking investments in stocks or in other such high volatility instruments or perhaps actually in the same way as you move up in your career you might actually have more dependents or maybe more responsibility and so you become less keen to take chances with your money perhaps when you were younger you were okay to lose money but now you aren't anymore and last of all to be honest um will you ever really be happy chasing an open ended number let's say you thought the number is 1 million will you stop when you reach 1 million or at that point would you want 2 million would you stop at 2 million or would you want 5 and what if you reach 5 and now you're ready to quit but now there's this uh, pompous ass of a schoolmate maybe who's suddenly worth 10 million because his startup had an ipo and uh, you simply can't take that and you want to keep on working until you reach 10 million couldn't you do better than that person won't you maybe want to try these are actually just some of the reasons i prefer the second method which is goal setting and goal setting is exactly what it sounds like we all do this at work in school um it's something that we are very familiar with in effect you just decide on a few important life goals and then design your portfolio to be able to achieve each of these goals individually if your goals are 
what are typically called smart goals uh, in other words they are clearly defined they are achievable and they are time bound it's quite easy for you to figure out what it will take to help you get there we'll talk more about how to design your investments in order to actually achieve your goals in the next episode but for this one let's go a little bit deeper into the goals themselves what is essential what's not essential and most important how do we account for retirement or financial freedom which again to be honest can seem a little open ended so we'll try and answer that as well in today's discussion so let's begin by talking about the mandatory goals or the or what i call the need goals things that you must have in this category let's begin with the most basic financial need protection you need to be covered in case of emergency so your family is able to get through any crisis we've talked about this extensively in episode 1 so i won't get into much detail please feel free to listen to that one for everything that i that i had to say on this topic and i'll link the relevant info in my show notes but in short the main thing you need to take care of is an emergency fund that can cover you for 3 to 6 months worth of cash expenses you also need to have health and life insurance in place in case you need need to take medical attention or to take care of your dependents in case of an untimely death the second need goal is financial freedom by this i don't really mean retirement though it could definitely be the outcome for some people and perhaps for you financial freedom is that state of uh, nirvana when your savings or investments are able to generate enough cash for you to be able to pay your basic living expenses without needing a fixed salary to come in anymore in other words you no longer need to work for money and your bills can be paid through your investments isn't that absolutely amazing i'm really looking forward to that day when i no longer need to work for money we'll discuss this in a lot more detail later in the episode but for now let's look at the other need goals the third need goal is to pay off your debt that's your mortgage your student and personal loans credit cards car loans all of it except the mortgage in fact i think all of them are money sucks to begin with and you definitely don't want them hanging over your head as you get close to retirement so look at your total debt and plan to erase it in the medium term the fourth need goal is to have a fully paid home so you aren't at the mercy of landlords or fickle rents that could go up uh, you know arbitrarily in coming years now i realize this really isn't a need for everyone and there's actually a movement uh, towards renting apartments for life pretty much um alternately you might have an ancestral home or you're assured of shelter uh, you know in some manner or maybe you just want the flexibility to rent and move around uh, and so in that case you don't really have to plan for it but as for myself i prefer the security the convenience and the comfort of having my own place however if you are planning to rent all your life you will have to plan in that expense into your financial freedom calculations 
the fifth need goal also maybe not necessarily a need for some but probably applies to most is to fund your kids education if you think they have promise plan to cover at least till their undergraduate degree at a top school and depending on your preferences this could be quite a lot so there you have them the five mandatory need goals that everyone or almost everyone should include in your goal based financial plan the great thing about them is that they don't change substantially over time so you can quite reliably set a path to achieve them the real problem is with the want goals that we will cover next which by their nature tend to be ever expanding and really hard to control so let's talk about these want goals the non essentials but things that you know we really want this is where you get to put all your hopes and dreams beyond just a basic quality of life but just like with need goals these also have an order of priority some wants are maybe somewhat closer to needs and should be addressed first and some wants are just wants and uh, those should be lower priority the first one here again relates to your children and that's arranging for their wedding in a place like india this is actually probably a need goal and you could actually just put it in there but for other parts of the world this may be more something you choose to do as a parent rather than something you have to do or okay judging by the really dirty look my wife is giving me right now you might probably have to do this everywhere the second want goal is the kind of thing we all think about when we consider retirement or financial freedom and that is a vacation fund a nice little you know chunk of change that allows you to travel as you like when you like wherever you like that belongs in here and pretty high up the want list because why not you deserve it and if your vacation planning happens to include cruises please add extra for masks sanitizer covid testing and potentially weeks of quarantine maybe at a nice hotel right next to the shore the third want goal is for you guessed it your kids again well serves you right for wanting to spawn little copies of yourself doesn't it you should have thought of all this earlier but anyway this goal is about whether you want to leave your kids something at the end of your tenure on planet earth and if so how much of course you could well decide to leave the remaining financial freedom corpus for them rather than setting aside something more that's fully your choice finally come all your really fun goals go crazy buying a boat getting a vacation home maybe upgrading that austere lifestyle that we are budgeting in your financial freedom plan from like convent level to something more like those pimped out music videos with gold jacuzzis and money showers go wild it doesn't hurt to dream and hey at least you know where you need to get to for that fancy lifestyle if you want all those badly enough 
you might actually make the effort to achieve them unlike need goals however these will likely change over time as you get more affluent as your tastes change and perhaps as you knock off some of those need goals and that's totally okay these are your dreams just remember to take a stock check from time to time so you don't get caught up in a moving target and never get to actually achieve financial freedom take the time off and enjoy what you have rather than chasing forever what you want now that we've figured out what our goals are let's work on how much we need to target for each of these goals so once you have your goals listed you need to determine the time frame by when you need to achieve each goal as an example if your kid is 10 and you're setting aside college money you would expect to need it in 8 years when your child turns 18 and if you're planning for an emergency fund you may want that fund to be in place within the next 12 months at the latest and maybe if you're planning to pay off your debts perhaps you want to target uh, a 5 year horizon to pay it off and so on this is another of the reasons why i think goal based planning is better than open ended wealth maximization with the latter you have to guess what you need to get to in 5 years in 10 years and so on goal based planning is much more precise and well goal based <laughs> make sure you set a realistic timeline for each goal for example if you have a million dollars left on your home it's really unlikely you will pay it off in one year and if you can then uh, what on earth are you doing on this podcast now that you know your goals and the timeline for each goal it's actually pretty easy to calculate how much you need to target just take the cost of each goal today and factor in the anticipated price increase every year till the year in which you need to achieve the goal so for example let's go back to college education let's assume you're very aspirational about your child and you want them to get into harvard now harvard university costs 70000 dollars per year in today's money which is about let's say 300000 dollars for the full four year degree and a little bit of internet research shows me that the cost of us education has gone up around 3% year on year so let's say i'm targeting this for my son if he's good enough to get in he will cost me 300000 dollars plus 3% price increase for the next 8 years which if you do a quick uh, piece of math you'll find is around $380,000 maybe we round it off to $400,000 to be safe which means i need to have $400,000 eight years from now in order to be confident that i can fund my child's education at harvard now similarly you can do this calculation with every other goal that you're setting it's best to use the price trends of that particular item in order to be as accurate as possible 
For example, Harvard may cost 3% more each year, but maybe a vacation home in a very popular destination could be rising at 10% each year. So it's best not to take a flat rate and instead do some research to get the right price. But if you don't really have a good basis for judging this price increase, maybe just take the annual inflation rate for that country as a proxy. So, we talked about the cost that we need to estimate for each goal. And that's fine for known expenses. But let's look at the mother of all goals, financial freedom. How do we set a goal for that? So financial freedom as a concept itself can take two forms. For some people, it is enough to have saved an amount that you can live off for the rest of your life. In other words, you save up all that money and then you draw it down, spending it little by little for the rest of your life, gradually reducing it to zero by the time you die. And if anything is left, of course, that becomes the gift you leave your family. The challenge with this approach is that you need to be, I think, quite exceptional at predicting the future so you can ensure you actually save enough to last the rest of your life. Otherwise, the precious little gift you'll be leaving your family is uh, yourself in your dwindling years when you're at your grumpiest. I can clearly see myself being irritable and obnoxious. So congratulations, future daughter-in-law. You're going to win yourself the old man lottery if I get this number wrong. The other much safer bet is to save up enough so that you can live off just the interest on your savings. This means that you never really need to dip into the principal amount for everyday expenses. And instead, you have that as a cushion in case your planning went wrong or the assumptions you made about your later years ended up far from reality. For example, you thought you might live till 80, but congratulations, you now live till 100. Even better, when you finally leave this world, you can be confident you've left not just a little gift, but potentially a substantial corpus for your surviving family. Chances are, their last prayers for you will likely be just that bit more enthusiastic than with the drawdown option. But anyway, for either option, you first need to know how much you will be spending. Similar to the math earlier, you need to set a date for financial freedom. Mine, for example, is 8 years from now, when I turn 50. And then, you could take your expenses as of today and just extrapolate them for those many years. So if, let's say, I'm spending 5,000 a month on my, you know, on my living expenses, so that's rent, utilities, food, a bit of socializing, etc. And all of that costs me 5k a month today, and let's say I think inflation is 5%, which means overall prices will go up 5% every year. Then, 8 years from now, I need to have $7,400 in order to live the same quality of life that I'm living today. Simple math, right? Unfortunately, no. This doesn't account for lifestyle changes and it doesn't accommodate any decisions I might make to live somewhere 
other than where I am now. So if 5K allows me to live a comfortable life where I am, but I want to be really fancy in my golden years, I need to figure out how much a suitably fancy lifestyle would cost today and extrapolate that number instead. So if my dream lifestyle costs 10K today and not 5K, then I actually need to budget for almost $15,000 per month 8 years from now versus the $7,400 that I would have had to budget to live my current lifestyle. But on the other hand, if I decide I'd like to leave Singapore and perhaps spend my uh, freedom time in Goa, in India, for example, there the cost of a similar fancy lifestyle could be much less than 15k in Singapore. Maybe it is only 5k 8 years from now. And that would be after accounting for the lower cost of living and uh, we also need to account of course for currency rate uh, changes as well. But anyway, for simplicity, let's assume I remain in Singapore and I have to budget for 15k a month to live this fancy lifestyle when uh, I'm 50 years and, and above. Now, 8 years from now, I'll be 50. And I might expect to live till I'm 80. So another 30 years from the time I begin my financial freedom. So if I opt for the drawdown method, I'd need to save enough to fund 15k per month for 30 years. In other words, around 5.4 million dollars. Okay, that's clearly not happening. So much for the upgraded dream lifestyle and being fancy. But anyway, for the sake of argument and for wishful thinking, let's assume I'm going to be able to save 5.4 million dollars to live my fancy lifestyle in Singapore when I am 50 plus. On the other hand, if I opt for the interest method, I'd actually need to save a lot more. Now why is that? This is because I couldn't keep my money in any financial instrument that carries any risk at all. Because You can't have the risk of seeing that money evaporate after all this careful planning, right? So you need to keep it in the safest place possible. For example, a government bond, if I trust my government to pay back responsibly, or a bank deposit, if I trust the bank not to play with toxic assets and go bust. Now, if I'm keeping money in such safe instruments, the returns would be very low, much lower than what I'd get from just drawing down from the savings. So to use the earlier example, if I expect to live for 30 years after financial freedom, I'd need to draw down 3.33% of my savings every year. Why? Because 3.33 into 30 is 100%. So I'm going to, in the drawdown method, I'd be able to take 3.33% of my savings every year. Now, in an interest method, it's highly unlikely that a government bond would yield that much at all, or in fact, even close. In fact, I I, I just looked it up. An India government bond yields over 5% right now, which is actually great. But it carries, carries the currency risk that the Indian rupee might weaken 
and hence the returns would be offset by the reduction in value if i continue living in singapore so even if i'm getting 5% on an indian government bond but if the currency is depreciating at let's say 4% then overall i'm only getting 1% um on the other hand us bonds are yielding well under 1% right now so if i put my money in us bonds i would only get 1% return which means i'd have to save 3 to 4 times what i'd need for the drawdown approach in order for me to be able to get that $15000 a month which means i'd have to save around 21 million dollars to be able to live off the interest as you can see there are no shortcuts in investing you can save a lot and be protected against future downside which is by adopting financial freedom through the interest method or you can save less and carry some risk if you were to adopt the drawdown method and as a last point how much do we leave our kids now this varies widely by family but in my personal opinion i'd gift my child a solid education to get him a pedigree that will give him a head start in life to be honest that is the very definition of privilege but the world is unfair and i'd rather not take chances in his case for anything else i actually really love bill gates's advice leave your kids enough so they feel they can do anything but not so much that they could do nothing in other words i'd love to leave him enough so he has some time to figure things out early in life so he can then stand on his own two feet and earn a fair living that makes him happy and secures his future but not so much money that he can just roll around in bed doing nothing and just living off what his parents have left him i believe that's fair to you hey guys so we are done for today i'm sorry today was a bit heavy but most of this content is on crazytalk.online so you can revisit what we discussed and check out some of the calculations and examples for yourselves in the next episode we'll discuss how to build a plan so you have the best shot at achieving your goals given what you have today that's also going to be a heavy episode but it's super important so do tune in i always end with the one thing i'd love for you to take away and for today's discussion that is to write down your goals how much you need and how long you have to hit each of them don't skip any of the mandatory ones the need goals except i would say the one that is optional for now is to figure out your financial freedom number since to be honest that takes a bit of time and reflection so feel free to take some extra time over that one we'll use this goal information for the next episode so do keep it handy oh and uh, if you're married or in a committed relationship do run these numbers by your partner 
you'd be surprised at how far apart you might be in terms of your financial thinking just like my wife and i were and actually often still are so thanks a lot for listening all the best in your financial journey this is amit ray with money talk